Hey everyone, it's Cameron from Cold Classics Podcast here. If you didn't already know, we launched two new podcasts on the Majestic Jam Network, Urban Hermit and I'm Not Crazy. We're super excited about these new shows and we know you will be too. So if you want more content from the CCP gang, check out Urban Hermit for a fun weekly chill sesh with the crew and I'm Not Crazy for all your conspiracy, unexplainable and supernatural needs that have scared away your friends and family. One more time, that's Urban Hermit and I'm Not Crazy from the Majestic Jam Network. Make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Without any further ado, here's a sample of our newest podcast, I'm Not Crazy. Welcome back to I'm Not Crazy. Cameron Jones here with my co-host. Nicole DeAnda. Uh, we're going to keep things going here. And have you heard about the conspiracy of William Shakespeare? Uh, only the one that he's a time traveler, which you and I briefly touched base on. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. I like don't even really touch on that. That is uh, a little more modern. And the pro- the evidence of that is that Anne Hathaway and her husband look a lot That's like. That's the one that I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I think I mentioned that at the end, but no, we're not touching on that. Okay, then I don't know shit. This is the conspiracy that either William Shakespeare didn't exist or at least that he didn't write the works of William Shakespeare. Okay. Uh, this is actually something that's been going back since like around his time, shortly after his death, that people were theorizing this. But let's break this down a little bit because to, to get to know this conspiracy, we kind of have to know who William Shakespeare was and maybe some of his contemporaries at the time. Okay. So let's break this down. Who was William Shakespeare? So William Shakespeare was likely born on April 23rd, 1564 in Stratford-upon-Avon. Uh, we don't know for sure, but there are records of his baptism a few days uh, or, uh, after that or earlier. So we just kind of like do the math from there. Okay. So this is theorized. This, this yeah, is this, is, this is just the date that has been assigned him to him like a pet because we don't know. Uh, Great. So he was the son of John Shakespeare and Mary Arden. So John Shakespeare's father, uh, he started as a tenant farmer and he worked the lands of a wealthy man by the name of Robert Arden alongside with his father, Richard Shakespeare, who is William's uh, grandfather. Okay. So they were just working the lands of this uh, wealthy lord. Uh, In 1551, John moved to Stratford to set up a business in trading in wool, malt, and corn. I lost my spot already. Uh, So this was an advantageous outlet for his father to sell agricultural goods as well. So his grandfather was also able to sell uh, the the produce from the farm. So they were actually both very successful in this venture. Uh, And he was able to purchase a home as well as start a money lending business in town. Uh, So he actually... Quite the entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually... He's pretty successful for starting as a tenant farmer. Mm -hmm. So Mary Arden, his mother, was born in 1540 as a member of the noble Catholic member of the Ardens of Park Hall. So you might be hearing the name, the very same Ardens that the Shakespeare's were working the land as tenant farmers. Okay. So uh, though they had encounters at the time, uh, they would never have been able to do to court due to just differences in social statuses. Oh, that's or, what I. That's what I'm kind of gathering mm-hmm. here. In 1596, though, after her father, Robert Arden, died, uh, there was just like a clause that meant any marriage could happen in the Arden family after a mourning period of one year took place. 
Wait, so her after her father died, it didn't matter. It didn't who matter. They married as long as, but they... after if, as long as it was after a year. Yes. Weird, but okay. Mm-hmm. So we don't exactly know their courtship or if they did have any encounters. But after that year of uh, mourning took place, they did get married. Uh, the marriage would have raised a lot of eyebrows because the difference in status. Uh, and despite even John's business uh, success, like, you know, new money. Mm-hmm. Um, but this did mean that William Shakespeare was kind of born into some somewhat wealth. His father, like, granted, he was like lower social status and it was still just a business. But his father had worked from a tenant farmer to a business owner. and so like middle class. Man. Yeah, and then his mother was from the upper crust, but I mean, matriarchal, not as much. So, like, his mother's class didn't as much come with it. They might have had some, like, you know, wealth, but not not as much as they would have. Yeah. Um, his father did end up rising to the estate of, like, an alderman and then eventually kind of to what was the mayor of Stratford. So, he even did get into, like, a political office uh, in, in, in William's youth. So... Mm-hmm. The youth of William. William was the oldest surviving child of Mary and John. Okay. Uh, their first, first two children did not survive beyond infancy. Uh, he had three younger brothers, Gilbert, Richard, and Edmund, and two younger sisters, uh, Anne, who died at seven, and Joanne. Jeez. Yeah, so there were a lot of death around him. Uh, we I mean, don't... I feel like it's the times anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's kind of a given. Yeah. We don't know for sure because there aren't records, uh, but his parents likely, or but he, but because of his parents and the wealth and his mother's status, he likely gained an education at King Edward the Sixth Grammar School in Stratford. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't have any records of his schooling, so the curriculum would have focused on Latin classics, uh, memorization, writing, uh, and acting in Latin plays. So he likely attended the school until about the age of fifteen. But again. No records of this. There is a kind of light paper trail in his the beginning life of William Shakespeare. So we have more information in regards to his parents as opposed to him? Oh, yeah. Weird. Sure do. Uh, so we have a little gap uh, from 15 or so or his school, really all of his schooling, when we jump to 18 when he marries Anne Hathaway. There really isn't a lot of records of his youth at all. Anne Hathaway. Yeah, I know. A little weird. <laughs> Um, I couldn't fe- find much on they met on how they met, other than uh, she was from Hamlet of Shottery, which was like a mile away from Stratford. So they likely would have at least crossed paths. She was 26 to William's 18, and she became pregnant before their marriage, which would have been a scandal for both families at the time. Uh, also because the consenting age for marriage at the time was 21 for males. Really? So he would have been getting permission to marry an older woman who was already pregnant. So... A bit of a scandal, Rough. so they. I'm not sure if they just had an encounter and an entanglement in town or something. We don't know. Hmm. Uh, they had three children together, Anne Hathaway and William Shakespeare, but only two survived past childhood. We have Suzanne, who was born in 1583, and Judith, born in 1585. Uh, Judith was actually born with a twin brother, but that brother didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, very little is known about the life of William Shakespeare between 1585 and 1592 after the marriage and just his kids and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it is believed that he started as an actor and a playwright during this time, maybe just small scale, mm-hmm. though Shakespeare may have taught during at the, like taught at the school during this time. We have no idea. There's just kind of speculation of both. Okay. Uh, but we do know for sure that he started an apprenticeship in the theater in 1585. So... From what the little that I know of theater, isn't yes. isn't it around this time where they had like boys? I, this is also from Shakespeare, Shakespeare in Love. Love. Yeah. Um, oh, don't where worry, they that'll have, come up later. Where they, well, they'll have um, males act as act in female roles. Sure, where, uh, ladies were not involved in the theater at all. But well, this, we do find some things I'll bring up but later. But isn't there also a dark, t- a dark side to the theater, too, where like they would 
nip some balls oh i actually didn't find anything on that but... oh okay maybe i'm making it up but that's what i thought oh i just buy i mean i lose research here but that's know. what i thought like so they would keep so the the males would still have the high pit yep. mm-hmm. uh well i'll look into this for later but i do not know that okay. off the top of my head uh, i could so be making actually, it up but now we're going to get into just a little bit of history about the theater at the time now okay uh so writers and playwrights were considered tradesmen's uh just breaking down the world word playwright makers of play it would be in the same tense as like a wheelwright a maker of wheel mm-hmm. so uh Actors have kind of stayed in the same, you know, sense. Like there were some very famous ones at the time that had a high social status, mm-hmm. but the majority of them were the, the majority of them were just poor, you know, or unemployed actors, and they had a very low social status. Actually, actors, really, although they were idolized in the theater, outside of the theater, they were vagabonds Trash. and traveling scum. Yeah, yeah, they were just yeah. Uh, so the wealth of an actor wouldn't come from payments of performance. It was all about buying shares in a theater. The most uh, two famous actors in Shakespearean times were Richard Burbage and uh, of the Globe Theater and Edward Allen of Admiral's Theater, both okay. very fun names of theaters. Uh, so again, actors had a very low social status and they could be arrested or imprisoned for offending high society. So if someone didn't like your play, they could just be like, ah, throw that asshole in jail. Really? Yeah. So most actors were afraid to venture out of the theater during the daytime because the streets were just a vulnerable thing. They could just get picked off the street by anybody. Hmm. Uh, so they were just adored in the theater, but just, again, traveling vagabonds in society. That's uh, so sad. To make it worse, in 1572, uh, Parliament passed two acts that were essentially aimed directly at outlawing these scum the- these scum actors. What? Uh, one one of them was to uh, ban ban the joining of act theater groups. Essentially, it's like you couldn't hire a, a troop of people. Essentially, is what the law was. And number two was so they can't hire them. But what if they come together as a community and want to? They basically outlawed so a theater manager and a company couldn't employ them, and it was illegal to have them under your. It was, they called it like a servitude kind of thing, but it was uh, it was like a thing just aimed at them. And number two was uh, it was illegal to be unemployed. So meaning they, what? So they outlawed them. <laughs> How having, contradictory is that? Yeah, I know. So they outlawed have, have them having a job, but then if they saw them also walking on the street and were like, "Oh, what do you do?" and they're like, "Oh, I'm an actor. I work at a theater." They're like, "Well, that doesn't exist, asshole. You're coming with us." So, so a lot of them hid out in the theaters or like, you know, had to kind of lead a secret life, which might lead to why William Shakespeare didn't exist if it was so vulnerable to become an actor. So, so do we think he's this is his alias? It could he could just be an alias. We will get into this. Okay. Uh so there were twenty two theaters for a population of about twenty thousand, and the theaters were full every single day with an audience expecting a new play every single day for them. So, what a new play every, single, every day. single day so the actors would have very little time to familiarize with the parts and they would also be playing you know up to four to five parts a role on top of that yeah so they would pretty much only have the morning to pr- to practice and they would perform these in the afternoon uh to make it a little easier though this would be annoying to me a lot of the plays or the theaters would have a prompt who would just read all the lines and then the actor would just act out and repeat the line after it oh yeah so john walks not, forward and says hello not as respectable hello so yeah. that would be okay. the plan um uh, so i am a little confused about the illegality of this just because it was like the highest form of entertainment there were two theaters everywhere yeah. but it was like illegal 
to do so. But I mean, that's what's confusing to me. Yeah, too. I could. And I was trying to break that down a little bit. But I mean, essentially, I think there were just so many theaters and there was so much competition that they were just they were just trying to cut down on all this. This well, one, I think there was crime in between theaters because it was highly competitive. Yeah. But also, I mean, it was just a bunch of low class people. And I think they were trying to just dwindle out the low class people having Sounds like they're trying to eliminate all the theater kind of well except for there were the high theaters of the court and stuff which we'll get into which okay which william shakespeare did play for so the lost years this is also which leads into some of this conspiracy mm-hmm. no one knows what shakespeare did between 1587 uh and 1592 so 1587 the last documents of his youth in stratford uh it's just, a marriage document pro- he got married at the age of oh, what 18? 18 yeah it's probably that stuff and then back and then to 1592 when he's first mentioned in london mm-hmm. so there's a lot of speculation about these lost years and how he got so into the theater uh, but there is kind of an easy connection here if you think about it. So William's father, John, as the mayor, would have been responsible for organizing like theater troops coming into town and just public events. Yeah. So it's believed that his connection to the theater would have just been with helping his father and seeing like him organize big public events and festivals and theater and stuff. Okay. Uh, and also one of his colleagues, William Kemp, uh, was a part of an acting troupe and performed in Stratford uh, in Stratford shortly before. Uh, William departed for the stage. So it's believed that maybe he kind of caught the bug from his friend William Kemp coming in, mm. doing a performance. And also, gotcha. um, it's believed that that was his connection to moving to London because a lot of his early works were with William Kemp. So mm. it's kind of thinking he, he bumped off William Kemp and got into the theater in London through him. Aw, buddies. Uh, yeah. Uh, so his first uh, plays, Williams, were performed at the Theatre, which was an open-air playhouse in Shoreditch, uh, with Shakespeare's reputation first getting established in 1592, so right after he gets there, kind of, uh, with Henry VI Part One, Part Two, Part III, mm-hmm. uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona, and Titus Andronicus. Uh, it's unknown which of these is was his first but those were like the first ones that got him attention and also some of his first works okay uh so during a terrible plague during june 1592 all the theaters closed for six months and during that time shakespeare turned to poetry and that's when a lot of his big sonnets uh that we know of were created just during essentially his lockdown that he had yeah after the plague subsides in 1594, William joined the Lord Chamberlain's Company of Actors, uh, which was the most popular acting company in court of the time. And this would have also uh, performed like in front of the high court, the queen of a few times, like the Chamberlain. So he essentially wouldn't be considered theater scum. He no, would be a little bit. Yeah. Now now he's like part of the theater company that's like okay. performing for high society. So now he's at least made his way off of like having to hide and stuff. And yeah. He, he can purchase a home. He gets some money from from this. But we'll get into that in a second, actually. Okay. Well, he joined the Lord Chamberlain's company of actors in, in 1594. Mm-hmm. But in 1599, uh, Shakespeare helped to form uh, a fellowship of men to join the Chamberlain's men. Uh, which was going to build their own um, theater and their own company and start their own venture. But that's just what they call the venture, the Chamberlain's Men. And this ended up becoming the Globe, which became the most famous theater at the time. So he ended up starting the Globe Theater with the Chamberlain's Men. Uh, It is believed that the first play Shakespeare wrote for the Globe was Julius Caesar in the spring of 1599. Uh, Later that year, he wrote As You Like It uh, and made his start on Hamlet. Over the next 14 years, Shakespeare writes like all of his greatest works, Twelfth Night, Othello, King Lear, Macbeth, uh, all at the Globe Theater, which was his shared company that he had with these actors and these other fellow investors. All right. So Shakespeare's... Busy man. Yeah, I know. He, he did very well for himself, which is what leads into some of this conspiracy that people are kind of saying, like, how did he get just this huge jump in success coming from humble beginnings? But we'll get into this. Okay. So Shakespeare prospered financially from the partnership in the theater, Mm -hmm. uh, as well just from writing and acting. 
He retires in 1612 and he invested a lot of his wealth in real estate. Uh, Smart. He, mm-hmm, and purchased, uh, he purchases a second home in Stratford and also is making some money off just land. Yeah. Uh, we believe he died April 23rd, 1616, though no one knows precisely again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we just do have like, there was some record of like an obituary or something, but it's not the day of his death. It was just posted after posthumously. Gotcha. So that's why we okay. don't know. Uh, his brother-in-law had died a week earlier, uh, which could imply infectious disease, which is also, why I think, why we're putting records together because we have more records on his brother getting sick and dying, and then the next week he mysteriously dies. So it's probably the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also speculated that he m- speculated that he might have died from a heavy drinking with two other writers, Ben Johnson and Michael Drayton, because he did go out with them publicly before and get shit hammered and then came back and died. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Jesus. Okay. So we don't exactly know, but it's probably like he did go out drinking. And then he also, I mean, his brother, his brother-in-law was real sick and times were not healthy. Mm. Uh, so Shakespeare's burial record in Stratford Parish is registered April 25th, 1616. Uh, but he made a will on March 25th, the month before, which also maybe would, would lead to the fact that he was maybe not feeling well and it was on, in poor health. But he okay. did describe him himself as in perfect health and memory and praise God. Which made it seem like maybe, I don't know, maybe he was fine. Who yeah. Say? Uh, so Shakespeare's works were written between 1593 and 1601, mm-hmm. but they were not published until 1609. Uh, the Sonnets of Shakespeare was a uh, compilation of 154 sonnets, all written in the form of his famous pentameter that we yeah. know. And uh, despite his popularity at the time, only 18 of Shakespeare's plays uh, were published during his lifetime. So although he was very busy and he was popular and he gained... Uh, you know his notoriety in high yeah. society. His pu- plays weren't published and they kind of like spread out elsewhere until I th- what did it say? Post. Until, I, well, he was still sixteen twelve. Let me find this. Yeah, until sixteen twenty three, a few years after his death. So, despite his popularity during his time, it didn't really grow uh, until after. Until his death. after death. I feel like that's usually how it goes. Yeah, I mean, he Especially. was popular of his time, but he didn't become like yeah the legend until after. Uh, so Shakespeare had four grandchildren, all who died without heirs. So his li- his uh, line is actually died lineage. out. Yeah, his lineage died out with his grandchildren, Oof. which also maybe people say, well, we have no proof to his like lineage. We don't have like any living heirs kind of thing. So was he real? Yeah. There's some of that. So the conspiracy. Now that we know a little about William Shakespeare, let's break down what people are thinking. Okay. So we have established that most scholars accept that William Shakespeare was born in Stratford-upon-Avon and spent time acting in London before returning to Stratford, where he lived in his de- uh, where he lived until his death in 1616. Mm-hmm. But actual documentation proving all of this shit and proving his existence is actually surprisingly scarce. Apart from some of the documents I said about like the baptism, like, yeah. the death and stuff, like there isn't actually a lot on him. Uh, granted, the documentation we're talking seems pretty legit. I mean, it's like a marriage license, birth certificates for his kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there isn't a lot of it. Also, there isn't a lot of business papers connecting him to his writings himself, apart from his name being on it, apparently. I guess there would have maybe been more documentation proving ownership. But I didn't find a lot on that. Just a few things mentioned. Like, what do you mean documentation proving ownership? Like, uh, his name is on it. But, like, right. I think, I guess maybe there should have been more patents or some copyright. I don't, I'm not exactly sure, especially for the time. But some of these sites were alluding to the fact that there should have been more proper documentation attaching his name to it. I don't know. I couldn't find anything on that. But what seems- else could there be besides his writing the Ronan. title and writing your name? Well, I mean, if it's a fake name, if it, I mean, you could just write anything on it. You know what I mean? But I maybe I'll I'll try to look into this, but not for this episode. But maybe there should have been more documentation. Okay, I don't know. that that part baffles me. But okay. 
Uh, so skeptics have posed the question, how could a man of such humble origins and have a great understanding of like high society and of a woman's perspective? And his writings seem just kind of beyond his, stat- his stature, you know? Well, he could be a sensitive man. He had a complex legal knowledge and just political matters and intimate knowledge of English high court. And so people question, how could a man of just like a lower business beginning with his father and just kind of alderman mayor have known about high society? Isn't that uh, something that... I, okay, carry on. I, I would think it's something that you learn over the years, but that's just me. Uh, other people also have uh, theorized that maybe William Shakespeare was just an actor in the theater and might have just been like a ghost for... Like a ghost writer for someone else who didn't want his name besmirched in the theater. So that is kind of the main theory that we... I could see that. That is the main theory that we're getting at is William Shakespeare either to some people didn't exist because his light records or he did, but it was just a cover for like a lord or someone higher in the court... Mm-hmm. They didn't want to besperch their name and had to write through someone else. Yeah. So those are the main theories we're going to. So the main okay. camps, Stratfordian, people who believe that William Shakespeare is the author from Stratford of Avon. He, that's where he came from, comes from. Came's from. Come, that's where he came from. Uh, the Axfordian theory. Uh, this authorship suggests that William Shakespeare is actually Edward de Verve, who is the Earl of Oxford. High society. We're going to break this down in a second, some of these people. Okay, because I'm... Confused or throwing names at me. Uh, well, these are just the camps. We have Stratfordian, which most people say that's, I believe, in Shakespeare. Oxfordian mm-hmm. is the Earl of Oxford, is the main camp. Like, that's the person they believe. And we only really have a high title for this guy just because it is a big believe conspiracy theory. Okay. And a lot of these other people do have their own blah blahian theories, but we mostly call these anti Stratfordians because there are other camps, but they're just not as popular. Yes? No, I thought I had a sneeze. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so people have been arguing over the existence of William Shakespeare since 1785, uh, when James Wilmot, an English clergyman and a scholar from Warwickshire, coined the first known anti-Stratfordian theory. Mm-hmm. Um, he's quoted as saying that the idea that William Shakespeare, the Glover's son from Stratford of Avon, did not, well, that, that accent got away from me, did not actually <laughs> write his plays and poetry we associate the name. So basically this was a snob that's like, this poor piece of shit couldn't have written this. And that's where his theory coins from. Okay. Uh, Since the 19th century, people uh, as well known as Sigmund Freud, Mark Twain, Helen Keller, and Charlie Chaplin have all voiced their doubts about the true uh, authorship of William Shakespeare. But I argue... What the fuck do these people have to do with him? We're talking about like 1560 something. Just... There's just a list of celebrities that like, I don't buy it, but I don't get or care how that matters. Me neither. Um, I mean, I guess Sigmund <laughs> Freud might know a little about the human mind and we can break that down a little bit. But I mean, I, that's, that's the only thing I can think of. So who else could it be if not William Shakespeare? Who are some of these lords and high court people in hiding? Francis Bacon. Okay. The Baconon theory or Baconian. It's hard to... It's Bacon with Ian behind it. Let's say Bacon-Ian. The Bacon-Ian theory. Uh, This is a theory that Sir Francis Bacon, the philosopher, essayist, and scientist, wrote the plays which are attributed to William Shakespeare. This was the first popular theory to emerge uh, about who could it be going back in the day when people people were trying to break this down. Okay. So it's the earliest conspiracy behind this. Uh, The explanation as to why he wouldn't want to take credit is that Bacon's high rise to office would have been hindered had it known that he would have been writing for the public stage and the shame would have fucked up his public record. Uh, so scholars have noticed similarities in the philosophies of Bacon and through his correspondence and the ideas put forward in Shakespeare's plays. Also, Bacon was a scientist and a philosopher, which means, you know, he was he meets that genius criteria. He was a very smart man. Yeah. Uh, and also, here's the thing that really gets people's dicks hard. Oh, my God. Okay. The Bacon cipher. 
He has a code. We're getting into some nice. national the treasure bacon shit. Cipher. Yeah. Okay. So the bacon cipher uh, is a cipher that he created, and it's a method of stenography that was invented by Francis Bacon in 1605. Mm-hmm. Each letter is translated into a pattern of five digits or of five letters, A and B. So it's like almost like a uh, uh, what do you call ones and zeros? Shit. Why am I spacing what that simple thing is called? Oh, like what they like computer codes. Like yeah, the, it's essentially the, that with zero one. It's essentially zero, that whatever. with 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 four components of A A B B or like one one two two kind of thing. Or so I think I kind of tried to understand it, but essentially it's a code. Actually, I think I've heard of this before. The Bacon on code. Yeah, I it's think been so. used in different conspiracy theories. It's yeah. a very popular code because it can be broken down into so many different ways. Yeah, the one one two two sounds familiar. I'm not familiar with the A A B. Well, it's, it's but... just like because it's a four digit code broken up between like. Letters and yeah, yeah, numbers. either letters or numbers. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, a lab in Geneva, Illinois, headed by Elizabeth Wells Gallup, worked to break down this code. Uh, and her findings are as follow: Her theory states that the 1623 folio edition of Shakespeare's play, so that big edition that was released, yeah, uh, contained a code proving that Bacon was the author of Shakespeare's works. Proving. So, mm-hmm. uh, it is believed that the cipher was an attempt to reveal his uh, true authorship as well bring to light some circumstances of his birth supposedly relating him to Queen Elizabeth the first. So really? I guess he would, like, there's a few conspiracies I think linked that to That one sounds like a far stretch, but uh, when you said codes and stuff, I was thinking of a haiku. <laughs> oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't know why, but... Um, also, there is a connection, I believe, with Sir Francis Bacon and his family being connected to the publication of the folio. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these people have either connections to William Shakespeare's lineage or or to the publication publish houses that put out the works. And that's a lot of why that's a lot of the reason why these people are connected specifically mm-hmm. being geniuses around at the time. High society wouldn't want it connected and maybe some connections to publication. Uh, so so the publication is just looked down upon. What do you mean? In those times. Is that what you're telling me? Well, being a playwright, the theater, well, and the yeah, stage a playwright, was, pub, like a playwright publisher or a public. Yeah, really? more so playwright, and well, I mean, you could be a famous actor and make it, but like the playwright was remember thought as a tradesman. It was a trade. It wasn't like something for high society. It was like a wheel waker. I'm a playwriter, especially because there were so I many. Feel like pl- it's a creative outlet. I feel like during those times, it would be not worse to say, but like it, yeah, but I feel so, like I feel like society, writing man. something. I feel like writing something is less we don't need our poor's writing we need them working our tenant farms that's why we legalized all these these poor creatives such a damn shame i know it really is so that is the francis bacon one that people liked i believe there were some things that kind of people debunked along the way that made made it like sometimes didn't add up but yeah we'll we'll maybe touch on that in a second so christopher marlowe marlowe the marlovian theory uh, this is the uh, theory that Elizabeth, Elizabethan poet and playwright Christopher Malo was the true author of the poems written by William Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Uh, this theory also gets crazier because it states that Marlowe didn't die on May 30th, 1593, but faked his death. And we'll touch on that, too. Uh, so Marlowe was an upcoming playwright in the 1590s. Mm-hmm. And he was gaining a lot of attention uh, for some of his releases. Tamburlaine, uh, the great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a bit of a hothead, though, and a dick. Uh, he had Aren't a rap- they all? <laughs> Specifically this guy. He had a rap sheet with the law, and he served some time in prison. Great. Uh, so in September 1589, he was involved with a fight with an innkeeper, William Bradley, 
um, his friend and playwright Thomas Watson mm-hmm. involved himself in the argument, and they ended up killing Bradley in a duel. Uh, both what? Yeah, they uh, things escalated quickly. He uh, both Marlowe and Watson ended up serving prison time for this. I couldn't find out how long, but didn't seem forever because he was out writing plays again. Um, he was also view, uh, accused by author Thomas Kidd of being an atheist, which would have led to questioning by Privy Council jailed, you know, yeah. pretty serious at the time. Um, so he was a free mind and cool hippie guy too, but he was a dick. Um, and finally, <laughs> uh, it was he started yet another bar fight. Uh, this is the wow, year. Wow, this guy's great. Okay, this would be the year and date of his death. Apparently, he was arguing over the bill of a bar tab when another customer stabbed in, uh, stepped in. Uh, at which case, he just started stabbing that guy for involving himself. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he stabbed him repeatedly. Uh, but this rando who involved himself managed to get the knife and turn it on Marlowe and killing him at 29. Hmm. I, and that man survived. What if the other guy was... What if he was drunk and he just... Then, yeah. yep, switch it around. Yeah. And he's dead at 29. Or is he? So some people theorize that Marlowe <laughs> was assassinated by the crown. Okay. And so some people think this wasn't an involvement that he got stabbed in that bar because he was being a real dick and annoying. Yeah. Uh, he was an embarrassment and a pain in the ass Sorry. and they wanted him off. Okay. Uh, others think it could have been linked to the stage because there were a lot of just... There was a lot of contempt and organized kind of crime somewhat between the theaters because it was of low society stature mm-hmm. and also they were very highly highly competitive. So there yeah, was there was a lot of that. fucking with each other, each other back and forth. Yeah. But others believe it was for him to escape his shitty reputation that he had created for himself and to hide in the theater to pen himself as William Shakespeare. Uh some of the credence So basically create a new Yeah, just life. start over. But the people What a time. Why people believe this could have been plausible also those as i said a lot of actors at the time were in fear of going out in the street and would just hide and live in the theaters most yeah. of the time so it's believed let me find this it's also interesting to like back in the day that you could just literally re-emerge as a whole different person oh records were virtually it's non-existent crazy i mean shit in the show Mad Men, that's like the 60s and he's just still faked a whole new person after world that's war ii so wild just come uh, up to a new town and be like hi i am a Nicole Mikestand. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, William Shakespeare's rise to fame begins right around the time of Marlowe's death, uh, which works for the timeline here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And another theory is that Marlowe was a ghostwriter working with Shakespeare and mentoring him, which is pretty much in Shakespeare in Love, which is the plot. And that would be, oh, I'm spacing on his name, but Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Captain Barbosa. It'll come to me in a little bit. Captain Barbosa. Uh, so the argument against this is that scholars say the writing styles differ drastically between the two people. So it doesn't exactly <laughs> seem like he was doing that. Okay. But that is the theory of the Shakespeare in love thing that Marlowe was hiding in the theater. He was His reputation was ruined. People wanted money from him too. So he was hiding there and just ghostwriting for, as William Shakespeare or for him. Researchers have recently landed credit to Marlowe's work, though, at least on three works of Shakespeare's as co-writers. So we do know they at least work together because their names are tied to some Do they say which works? Um, They probably did, but I didn't write it down. No. (laughs) Uh, This does form a connection, though, between the two authors. If he at least if he does exist, they work together. If not, I mean, he's at least working with someone who's faking William Shakespeare. Okay. Did they really work together or was it really just a front? That was kind of the question of what most conspirators are putting together with this one. Okay. So that is the Marlowe theory. The Marlowe theory. theories are there? Quite a few, but I'm only touching on the very popular ones. Okay. Next, we have Edward de Verve. This is the Oxfordian theory and the most popular theory of all. This is what most people think. If William Shakespeare either didn't exist or didn't actually write it, 
It was the Earl of Oxford. So okay. uh, he was highly educated. He was mm-hmm. trained as a lawyer and known for having traveled to many of the exact places that are featured in Shakespeare's plays. So he would have had firsthand knowledge of all this stuff. Yeah. Whereas W.S. William Shakespeare would not have. Uh, people argue that he concealed his identity because his works were so provocative at the time politically. And he wanted to and he would have been and he just didn't want to be outed as the lowly playwright. Again, tradesman. Yeah. Uh, so evidence against this. Oxford died in 1604 and some of Shakespeare's greatest plays in including King, uh, King Lear uh, and Macbeth, sorry, were published after that. So that doesn't add up, but also it could have been posthumously. So that seems pretty obvious, but that doesn't put it out because if he was, this was all a conspiracy anyway, and some of this came out through publication and with the help of a theater, it's likely that there would have been co-conspirators anyway. Mm-hmm. So him dying doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, exclude that. Uh, but mostly Oxfordians maintain that Edward DeVerve's biographical life matches a lot of Shakespeare's, a lot of aspects of Shakespeare's and a lot of the things he mentioned in the plays. Okay. So at least maybe if not written by him, at least it seems like inspired by, if anything. Yeah. More evidence in favor of Oxford. Uh, he served in the court, uh, Queen Elizabeth, uh, the court of Queen Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and he was involved in the Elizabeth- Elizabethan theater and poetry scene. Yeah. Uh, his family was a part of printing and publication, uh, and they were, his family uh, it actually was the printing company that published the first folio. So there's a lot of connection right there. That's an eyebrow raiser. Yeah. So it does that. And once again, that the post Hamously thing, publication thing doesn't seem so weird if his yeah. family is the one pumping this stuff out. Right. Uh, he had a relationship with the Earl of Southampton, as well as a number of other specific uh, people and circumstances that people believe were depicted in the plays. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he was in the crowd that would have been being depicted and displayed in William right. Shakespeare's works. Um, in 1589, an anonymous publication, Art of English Posey, contained a chapter depicting the practice of high public court figures writing and publishing their works secretly. It also listed a number of people, including Oxford, uh, citing him for his fine comedy writing, which, again, Shakespeare known for his comedy writing. Yeah. Uh, he was also praised for his comedy writing by Francis Murr, an English author and churchman in 1598, and by Henry Peachman, a poet writer in 1622. Mm-hmm. Uh, they And none of these people even mentioned William Shakespeare when praising famous authors and writers of their time, which is interesting. And, yeah. They tend to praise some lords that were secretly writing, maybe, but not Shakespeare. Interesting. Uh, so again, o- Oxford's biography parallels a lot of plots from Shakespeare's plays. Notably among these uh, are the depictions of Hamlet. The mm-hmm. Merchant of Venice and the Taming of the Shrew, mm-hmm. all of which contain a number of local details uh, and experiences that would have only been experienced by Oxford. Interesting. And that is the Oxford theory that we're going to leave there. Sir that Walter Raleigh. That one's the most b- believable. Yeah, yeah, that's that, the one that I'm leading towards that, right now. Out of all of these, that theories. is why it's the highest contender. The most exciting is Sir Francis Bacon because there's a freaking national treasure code in there, <laughs> so that's like cool and shit. But this one does but I seem think, the most. Yeah, that one seems the most believable. Links to publication, links to high society. Why he wouldn't have wanted yeah. to. Yeah, carry on. Sir Walter Raleigh. Okay. So Walter Raleigh was one of the most recognizable figures in Elizabethan England. Mm-hmm. He was a prominent figure in the court. Uh, which would have given him an in-depth understanding as well as the legal systems. He had the in and outs uh, royal court. He was an author, adventurer, explorer, soldier, and courier. So hmm. a lot of people, why they want to put Sir Walter Raleigh is just because he was an adventurous man. He had so much experience that they're like, of course it had to be him. He wrote of all of his experiences. Yeah. And so once again, a lot of a lot of stories from his biographical life uh, kind of parallel a lot of 
things from William Shakespeare's sonnets and plays, which is why people believe this. Mm-hmm. Um, he also used several phrases in his own writings and correspondences, which were an exact copy or mirrors William Shakespeare's writing, which is kind of interesting. Do they mention what mirrored? Uh, no, probably, but once again, I didn't write it down. But it was just certain. God damn it! I, I guess it was just phrasings and terminologies that okay. just, they had very similar speaking styles apparently yeah he also did have familial connections uh raleigh uh raleigh's wife raleigh's wife's raleigh's wife cousin <laughs> married edward arden of arden hall okay. so their second cousin or something but they were also connected, connected to arden hall yeah. uh so which gave which also gives some connections to christopher marlowe and some of the printing though so they're all actually kind of tied together these people a little bit uh, which also could believe that maybe if he isn't William Shakespeare, he could have been involved in the conspiracy. And this is another person mm-hmm. that, again, it maybe seems like William Shakespeare could have also been writing about his friends, Marlowe and Raleigh. And right. this is where he's getting some of his inspiration from. Mm-hmm. So that also kind of pokes holes at all these theories to me that like what well, he could have been like a fictitious thing, but also he could have been writing about his bros. True. So also apparently he manifested in his life the sensual odor that requires the flame and animal passion. Um he was a really saucy guy. I forget where I found that quote, but a couple <laughs> different people wrote about him being real sexual. It was really interesting watching you say that. Okay, so he, apparently he manifested in life a sensual odor. <laughs> he was a real saucy guy. I found that a couple different places. Nice. So apparently that would have given him the raunchiness to be Shakespeare. I don't get the connection. Other than, I don't get it either. But other than some of the plays were provocative a bit. I mean, pretty cool. Yeah, seems like a cool guy. He was yeah. an adventurer and a... Sexy dude, saucy guy. So <laughs> the other big theory is, was William Shakespeare a woman? So mm-hmm. while some contenders make it, they want to hide their authorship because of high public office mm-hmm. and just good societal standings, they could also be a plausible theory that William Shakespeare was a woman and women were not involved in the theater. Right. Uh, so many people have noted that William Shakespeare had a, quite the insight to a woman's perspective at a time. And he has, features many heroines, mm-hmm. uh, ten defy their fathers, mm-hmm. uh, displeased with arranged marriages, eight disguise themselves as men to outwit the patri- patriarchal controls, mm-hmm. and six lead armies, uh, which is all more gender swapping than can be found in any other work of his contemporaries at the time. Okay. So some are saying, is it mirroring his her feelings and her experience in the theater? Yeah. So it is believed that no woman in the Renaissance in Renaissance England wrote for the theater uh, because it was against the rules of the time. Uh, but they could write religious verse and translation, and that was customary for ladies. And they could write Always closet religion. drama. Yeah, so they could re- they could translate religious texts and stuff. That was okay for them to do. Lame. And they could also write closet dramas, which were only for private reading among other ladies. <laughs> Stop. So they could write sexy fanfic smut. for each other. Yeah, they could write each other some fun, Ooh. sexy smut. So that's cool. Uh, so other than uh, fanfic, uh, erotica fanfic in the private, they couldn't really do anything for the stage. But it, it turns out it wasn't completely off limits as we thought. Uh, the stage was supposed to be completely off limits, but scholars have recently concluded uh, that women were involved in theater companies. I mean, obviously as Patreon yeah. patrons, but uh, shareholders, costume suppliers and makers, and also ticket takers. Uh, really? More than 80% of the plays printed in 1580s were written anonymously, Anonymously, uh, and that number (laughs) didn't fall below 50% until the 1600s when women could be a little more involved, so that is a little sus. Okay. I didn't know that women were able to take part in the theater at all during those times. Like, I I thought, like, 
none other than other than other than like like going and like seeing for the most part no that is true but now we're finding a little bit in costume making ticket take like a little on the fringe of the company but not so much in the creative aspects of it yeah um but again it is a little crazy that 80 percent of plays printed before 1580 were anonymous that is meaning it was probably high lords people that it couldn't have their name or late just people maybe it was ladies so i did find some contenders for ladies it could have been but they were all thoroughly debunked by people like who I didn't even write it. Emily. Oh my gosh, you're killing me, man. Sorry. I didn't write. That's no, okay. I didn't write these ones down just because they were all very conclusively debunked. Okay. Um, I would just like to know the names. I'm sorry. I'll it's look okay. into I'm sorry. It's okay. You can tell me on your own time. So in conclusion, uh, the main evidence against William Shakespeare writing his own authorship seems just to be from a hoity-toity high society people somewhat thinking a band of such low stature could not have possibly had a knowledge of high society, royalty, the legal system, mm-hmm. insight to a woman's perspective. It's just he wouldn't have had that education stature, they think. I think it's just uh, some hoity-toity people kind of being assholes. Sounds so like it. there also is the fact that there is that missing gap of time. Mm-hmm. There is a huge piece there that we have no documentation for. Right. Um, it seems like we don't have any documentation from marriage to time until time of death, right? I did find some things that, like, some of the rumors are maybe he was uh, in trouble, possibly arrested for, it was like deer stealing, which would have been like hunting on someone else's grounds. So okay. he might have been publicly shamed during that time and just trying, trying to start over in, in London. And there was one other thing that was similar to that that I can't remember, like a debt or something. I can't remember. Okay. Um, so I do appreciate that the insight to high society would have been hard, the woman's perspective, but not impossible for me to, to believe because he did have an education. Yeah. And although he wasn't like of a high, high social status, like his dad was an entrepreneur. His, family's were, his family was a go-getter, you know? They moved from tenant farmers, starting business, money lenders mm-hmm. into uh, into like a political uh, career. So it seems like it's not unbelievable to me. Yeah, I don't think it's. I can't even think right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if anything, one thing I will maybe lend some credit to. There are records of uh, collaboration and familiar ties with a lot of the people I put forward as like high contenders for who William Shakespeare could have been. Mm-hmm. So I could see like maybe a group of people being William Shakespeare, maybe some of these high society lords. Yeah, it could be that. Or I, I could also believe um, what you mentioned earlier about maybe, you know, if it, if William Shakespeare is in fact, you know, the true writer of these, you know, sonnets, you know, playwrights and all the, all these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could be just writing it from a, you know, third party perspective. Yeah. Because he did hang. I mean, if you think about it, the entertainment business, everyone pretty much knows everyone. And it's pretty not. I mean, it's pretty clicky, I guess you could say. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that that can make that in my brain, it would make sense. Are there any theories specifically any any contender that stuck out to you? I mean, it's not the Oxfordian, the Oxfordian, the the Oxfordian theory, the Earl de Verve of Oxford. That one seems plausible that me. is the most popular current theory yeah i really like the cypher thing i that know because you said the national codes get my dick hard. i'll tell you what i do <laughs> like that one a lot uh so in the end i'm gonna pretty much continue to believe that william shakespeare was a real person and wrote his work maybe you could get me to believe that it's conspiracy of conglomerate people all writing together i, I mean i could see too. people co-writing but i think i we feel can like all- co-writing is not not you know, not completely, should be completely ruled out. No. Oh, and now in conclusion, let's also quickly touch 
on is William Shakespeare an immortal time traveler? Yes. <laughs> okay, this is a new thing that's coming out, and I don't even have anything really. To be ri- honest, before you told me all these theories, that's the, only, <laughs> the only one that I knew. I was like, he's a time traveler. Well, maybe it's the most popular conspiracy about William Shakespeare now. So this basically is coming to light because William Shakespeare's wife, Anne Hathaway, looks a lot like current actress Anne Hathaway, and her husband is his name Will Shakespeare. I don't think it's Shakespeare. It's Will something, though. Should I Google it? Yeah, let's look this guy's name up. The point Two is, seconds. they look a lot like Will Shakespeare and Anne Hathaway. So that's 100% of the, the proof. People are saying he stayed in the acting business. They've been re- reinventing themselves a million times. My argument is that Anne Hathaway looks a lot younger in The Princess Diaries. <laughs> I th- she, to be honest, she has aged very well. She looks great. She does not look her age. And I don't. I think she looks pretty. She looks fabulous. What do we think in Vampires? No. Celebrity Illuminati using stem cells? She definitely bathes in someone's blood, though. Should we? God. I mean, you can. Adam Shulman? Adam Shulman. Cover. So look up a picture of these people. I mean, there's a bunch of side-by-sides online, but that is 100% of the theory and the proof is, look at these pictures. Yeah, I mean, they look a lot like Anne Hathaway and William Shakespeare. It's crazy. Yeah, it is wild. So, in conclusion... But also, genetics is a weird thing, too. I wish we could touch base on that. Genetics is weird. Carbon copies. Oh, we think these... Could they be clones? Is that what you're asking me? Not, like, clones, but, I mean, what if... You know, this is me just throwing out my own theory. What if... What if William Shakespeare or, you know, had a child that wasn't documented and, you know, he did have an heir? That could be. And the lineage did live on. His documents were loose, but I think we have concluded that they're all dead. But who knows? We don't know for sure. No one knows for sure. So, but I think we can all agree that William Shakespeare is probably real. Mm -hmm. And in conclusion, I think we can all agree that the world is a richer place for his writings being in it. Yes. Well, that's all I have on this one. I don't know where you guys land, but I pretty much believe William Shakespeare's real. But again, fun thought experiment. Love that we get national treasure codes in there. (laughs) There are some compelling ideas in there. Yeah. Uh, but thanks for listening to our take on Is William Shakespeare Real? Uh, if you like what you heard, make sure you like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Uh, if you have any suggestions or any comments or anything, you can write into us at I'm not crazy pod at gmail.com. And you can find us at I'm not crazy pod on all social media. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks. We'll, we'll check you next time. Bye. Bye.